Welcome to the Vegas Strong Revival Podcast, where the heart of Las Vegas beats through hospitality, community, and resilience beyond the Strip. We're calling all Vegas residents and local business owners, get ready to explore the pulse of our community. We aim to uncover the unspoken truths about our local services, venues, and businesses, discussing what's amazing, what needs improvement, and how we can uplift each other to enhance the Vegas Strong spirit for everyone in town. We appreciate you embarking on this journey with us to reignite the Vegas strong flame, making our city not just a destination, but a more loving and hospitable community. Before today's chat, we invite you to subscribe or follow and connect with us on our Facebook page. We release new episodes every Friday, so you can count on us for your weekly fix of hospitality reality. I'm your host, Warren Sprague, and I'm joined by the freshly relocated Britt Whalen, founder of Law Critique. Now, drumroll, let's start the show! Warren, I was hoping to avoid thinking and talking about moving this last couple of weeks <laughs> and just like how mentally and physically exhausted I am. Yeah, I'll bet. In all transparency, guys, I'm going to do my best today and just totally pretend like everything in my world is perfectly peachy because all of our amazing listeners deserve the best. Side note, I'd like to think this makes me Vegas strong. Let's go. Yes. Today, I'm going to do my very best to be the very best for the show. I mean, we have a brand new studio to christen. Yes. We have a fortress of our very own now. And we want this debut episode to be worthy of our expansion. Tell us, what are we discussing today? Well, Britt, today we're going to be discussing the 10 toxic behaviors of a horrible boss. Oh, that'll be fun. I agree. We'll review the real data that explains what it costs a business to have horrible bosses. And finally, our expert recommendations on how to be a more effective leader leader in the workplace. Fabulous. Before we jump in, I just want to know, did you get any time after Thanksgiving to shop or give on Giving Tuesday? Actually, no. I'll I'll definitely be one of those last minute gift buyers this year. (laughs) In past years, I've really enjoyed going downtown for the small business Saturday shopping event they have. Mm. This year, I heard the city of Las Vegas was doing something pretty thoughtful, actually, by offering free parking on Saturday in their effort to support those small businesses. Yes, I read about that and thought it was quite like a Vegas strong win. Yeah. Kudos to the city officials who made that decision. And regarding Giving Tuesday, I love that we have this unofficial holiday following Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, and Cyber Monday, but Uh, if I may... Oh dear, I sense a critique coming. (laughs) It's not a negative critique, I promise. I would just like to give my two cents and say giving can be done any time of year, not just on this one Tuesday randomly after a holiday shopping madness weekend. Just like we don't have to wait for Thanksgiving to express or feel gratitude, we don't have to wait until Giving Tuesday to give support and help with local charities. So what do you suggest we promote here? I mean, I'm full of ideas, but certainly not the know-it-all type. So maybe just generally speaking, I'd suggest we evaluate where our passions lie. For example, I'm a longtime blood Donor, started the day I became of eligible age to donate. I knew when I was 16, blood donations are a direct line to saving a person's life, which for me is something my heartstrings just totally pull at. Mm-hmm. So I was fortunate to know at a really young age exactly my passion for giving, but not 
everyone knows what theirs is. Actually, if, if I remember correctly, didn't you eventually coordinate blood drives on the UNR and UNLV campuses <laughs> when you were still a student? Oh my gosh, I sure did do that. What a fun memory. What's your passion when it comes to giving to others? Because if I had to guess, it's the high school students and teaching them theater. You know, Britt, that kind of sort of has to be my glowing example of how I've tried my best to serve my community in my past. I spent the last eight years or so coaching high school students in the art of improvisational performance with a focus on comedy. I represented several schools since 2015, but my longest tenure was Del Sol Performance Academy. I definitely miss the kids. I miss the laughs and I miss offering them a place of support, acceptance, and especially fun. Shout out to all my Vikings, Chargers, Roadrunners, Skyhawks, Mountain Lions, Bulldogs, and of course my Dragons. Oh my gosh, that's so many. I've had an honor to work with so many generations of awesome students. Those were often the best of my times, I have to say. I love that. Obviously, there are hundreds of charities in Vegas who all need our continuous support. So if you need help figuring out what you're most passionate about, reach out and I'd personally be thrilled to help you and even help match you to a charity to fulfill that giving spirit we all have inside of us. If you need some help, I assume you know where to find me. And that's why you're the best, my friend. Let's get into it. Let's swing by the concierge corner to kick things off. Agreed. I'm ready. Oh my gosh, was that SpongeBob? <laughs> if you'd like it to be, I hope it counted. <laughs> okay, yep, let's do it. All right. As a reminder, this segment is just our time to give praise to a local business or place or item that demonstrates the Vegas Strong ethos and continually provides positive customer experiences. Food and beverage services are obviously so prevalent in our town, but we vow to give consideration to any type of local business. However, it's a really good thing this week's venue has bottomless coffee on the menu because it appears we could maybe both use it today. Yeah, please. What? <laughs> <laughs> What did they used to say in the 90s infomercials? We need a complete and balanced breakfast. Oh my God, yes, I remember that. I think this week's series of diners are definitely capable of delivering on that and way more. In fact, if you're a local and you haven't broken fast at one of these restaurants, I'm willing to bet you'll do it soon after this. Ladies and gentlemen of Las Vegas land, please lend me your ears. I only need to discuss today's delectable destination in order for my enthusiasm to thrive. For today, in this second scintillating installment of our Concierge Corner segment, I bring you a herd of hasheries that has grown from its original brick and mortar located off of West Cheyenne in 2002 to sprouting four additional Vegas-born brunch barns all across the west side of the Strip and down through Green Valley. This eatery was a Las Vegas Review Journal Top 10 Restaurant in 2006. They gave Las Vegas Weekly Magazine its best skillet breakfast in 2009 and is Humpty Dumpty's worst unholy nightmare. I bring you none other than the Cracked Egg. Oh my gosh. I knew you had that in you and clearly had more caffeine than I did today. <laughs> <laughs> That was incredible. Yes, the cracked egg is such a fantastic example of the Vegas Strong Spirit. Who can't appreciate a locally based, family operated restaurant chain whose motto is simple, great service, and 
home-cooked meals. Absolutely. And I, for one, applaud the simplicity of the cracked egg for giving us exactly what we want, what we crave, what we need sometimes in the morning or early afternoon. A cure for some kind of headache, if you know what I mean. Home-style, perfectly prepared cuisine Americana plated on a table presented just as the breakfast gods intended. With five variations of French toast to offer, who needs the nuance of fine dining decor? The cracked egg is lovable for remaining crisply committed to concepts such as the Monte Cristo sandwich, the midday delicatessen, and that breakfast should be the most delicious meal of the day, not just the most important one. I mean, guys, this is the genuine article of Vegas Breakfast Diners, and there is a lot of competition out there. The cracked egg speaks the language of the Sunday morning savior, for sure. You want scrambles? They got them. You want pancakes? They go bananas for them, apparently. With three different banana-based flavor profiles and several more pancake variations beyond those. You want eggs benedict? The cracked egg bangs out several assortments to beyond satisfaction. You want omelets? No worries, because they are flipped and folded to perfection every day, multiple times a day. Beautiful stuff. And don't even get me started on those Sin City skillets, by the way, Britt. Oh my gosh. You could choose from five diverse pre-structured suggestions, or you could build your own baby. Yeah. That's where I give all my personal love to this menu, for sure. Their skillets are amazing. You are totally on top of it, and if you don't get a promo gig out of this section of our podcast, you sure do deserve one. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Okay, uh, you did forget to start simple, though. Come on, you skipped straight over the Cracked Egg's renowned coffee cake. Ah. Uh. Guys, if you haven't had their coffee cake, I recommend to try it at least once. It's light and fluffy and not drowning in sweetness. 100%. I don't know which location you go to, Warren, but my go-to over the last decade or so has been the South Rainbow location. And funny enough, my new home is within walking distance of the Ann Road location. Oh, good for you. <laughs> so I guess that's my new spot. And maybe we should go there after we finish this episode. <laughs> Don't tease me with a good time. Anyway, I'm definitely wanting to say the South Rainbow location served us so well over the years. We went nearly every Saturday for years, which by that point, the staff all knew our names. And there was this one hostess in particular. Her name was Carol. She'd greet us with a hug or me anyway, because I'm a huggy person. <laughs> it was just so sweet. And when the holidays rolled around, we'd bring gifts and cards for the team. We really felt just part of the family there. Mm. And if I'm completely frank, we weren't the easiest party of three. <laughs> like when it came to ordering, you know? Oh, uh -oh. Yeah, super guilty of never ordering something without a modification, which most chefs hate, right. right? Yeah. But we were never made to feel like we were being difficult guests. We also received exactly what we ordered, as modified as it was, wow. without any additional or extreme delays. The incredible flexibility of that cook line, I was just always super impressed by. And the service. Food was always hot and fresh off the line. If you've ever worked in restaurants, you'd be able to tell that this team had such a good rhythm just in general oh, together. That's awesome. Yeah. And of course, I can't forget, I love the outside patio during the nicer weather months. That's so charming how you discuss the connection your cracked egg crew established with you after years of traveling somewhere over the rainbow for your morning munching needs. Oh my gosh, your puns, Warren. Yeah, I had to sneak <laughs> that one in there. I know you're green with envy over my wordplay and all, but the Green Valley location in Henderson is actually the one that I visited. And to all you Henderson haters, 
I've heard that are out there. Just know that we here at the Vegas Strong Revival podcast certainly feel that Henderson counts. Absolutely. (laughs) We're all about bringing the entire valley together, and that cracked egg location down there really has brought it together as well. In fact, as of this podcast, they're actually TripAdvisor's number 13 ranked restaurant, but in all of Henderson. Whoa. That's out of 449 eligible eateries, and I just find that completely wild. That is insane. And your rainbow store actually earns the top position amongst all four Western locations. Wow. They're number 430 out of 3,103 venues in Las Vegas. Now, that may not sound too impressive, everybody, but when you consider that that's in the top 14% in all of Las Vegas, that really shows how memorable the cracked egg is against so many hunger helpers in the valley. That's wild, Warren. Good research. I'm impressed. I wouldn't personally say TripAdvisor is like 100% of a reliable indicator for the merits of an establishment, but I do love hearing these types of numbers. I feel like I could use a gift card to the Cracked Egg for the holidays. Oh, yeah. And even that is on their menu on their website at thecrackedegg.com. Give the gift of that well-balanced breakfast or lunch to your loved ones this holiday season. Wake up and taste that coffee cake. Well, Warren, we've both said a bellyful and or mouthful again. Why is it so hard to make this segment just short and sweet? I think it's because we're both humans who love food and great service. That's why. Yep. Coming up on the Vegas Strong Revival podcast, we dive into our main topic of the day, which is horrible bosses. But first, Britt wants to take a second run at the announcement section regarding Law Critique's concierge service. Without sounding salesy, please, Britt. I'm going to try. In today's announcement section, we have a few things on the menu. See what I did there? Oh, I do, actually. First, we want to honor everyone in Vegas during the holiday season. So we will not have episodes during the last two weeks of December. We sincerely want everyone in our town focusing on loved ones and enjoy time for themselves. Also, beginning in 2024, we will release episodes on Saturdays instead of Friday. We trust this small change won't affect many of you, so we appreciate your flexibility while we figure out our rhythm over here. And last, but certainly not least, we ask all Vegas Strong residents to consider the last time you had a crazy adrenaline adventure, a relaxing day at the spa or golf course, or simply a golden night out on the town with your friends. Holiday season is definitely in full swing, and thinking of ourselves during this time of year seems a bit counterintuitive. But frankly, we can't be our best to others if we don't care for ourselves first. Mm. which is one of many reasons I designed Law Critique Concierge Services, where we firmly believe in having a life full of experiences rather than possessions. So what does this mean? I'd say it means that for the first time ever, Vegas residents have their very own personal concierge right at their fingertips. Exactly. Locals will not have to be a hotel guest somewhere to get the best recommendations and reservation services in town. Think transportation, dining out, adventure days, help with large party bookings, or even help with your kid's birthday party. And obviously so much more. I personally can't wait to sign up and have my date nights pre-planned and booked for me. (laughs) I could definitely get used to having that kind of help. (laughs) Date nights are super important. So remember, guys, this service launches on Monday, December 11th, and we've curated three awesome packages designed to fit every budget, so nobody misses out. Package details will be unveiled on our next episode, too. Ooh. So be sure to get on the email list now to receive direct updates. You can sign up at lacriticalv.com slash concierge or email or call us directly with any questions you may have. We are a new local business, so thank you, thank you, thank you in advance for any anyone who signs up. It really means a lot to us. 
Now back to the show. We've all had that one boss who made our lives completely miserable at work and even maybe anxiety riddled after hours. But what exactly makes a boss so horrible, Britt? Ugh, I sadly have more than one horrible boss in my past. Oh yeah, me too. Last week, we talked about the behavior traits of nightmare guests, so it's only fair we discuss horrible boss behaviors too. So today, we have a list of the top 10 horrible boss behaviors. Let's jump right in, Warren. What's number one? I think everyone will agree with this if they've personally experienced it. Number one, Brit, is micromanaging. OMG, yes. Yeah. And micromanaging boss is constantly hovering over your shoulder and checking on every little thing that you're doing. They don't trust you to get the job done without their constant supervision, and they typically tell you exactly how to do everything. This for sure is my number one pet peeve about being an employee in my past. It right? absolutely would Holy be. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot even express how much my brain rattles on this topic because like you hired me to do the job. Exactly. Which I'm fully, like fully capable of doing if you leave me alone to just do it. Agreed. And it's even more frustrating when you fire up a project or take the initiative to develop a new resource to aid the rest of the office, for example, only for that boss to shut it down because you didn't bring the idea to them in the first place or didn't produce it exactly the way the management prefers. Mm, which leads us into number two, constant criticism. Ooh. A horrible boss is never satisfied with your work. They're always finding something to criticize, even if it's the smallest thing. And they conveniently leave out the praise when you do something well. That honestly shuts me down worse than almost any other behavior that comes to my mind, because a lack of praise goes hand in hand with number three, which is an overall lack of respect. Yes. A horrible boss treats their employees with disrespect, folks. They may yell at them, make inappropriate jokes, or belittle their accomplishments regardless of how big or small they are. I mean, the examples can honestly go on and on on this one. The examples of all of these could <laughs> go on and on and even blend together. But moving along, number four is lack of Empathy. A horrible boss does not care about their employees' work challenges, personal lives, or problems. They are usually insensitive to their needs and concerns. Britt, you've mentioned how you're an empath in the past, mm -hmm. right? I honestly consider myself an empath as well, one who cares so much for the true lives of the people around them that I just couldn't agree more that a lack of empathy can be such a red flag to any working relationship. If a boss can't connect to the burden of what they might be asking of their team or doesn't allow them the humanity to work through their workplace obstacles, it immediately kills the rapport for people like me. Ugh, and unfortunately, Warren, I've personally experienced all of these things on the list so far. I bet this entire list is applicable to my past. Mm. <laughs> That's kind of terrible. Okay, let's keep going. What's number five? Number five, brace yourself, is unreasonable expectations. Yep. They may demand long hours, constant availability, and an impossible amount of work on top of that. I'd even go so far as to say that they color outside the lines when it comes to the original job description, and they lean heavily on that line that says that we're responsible for any other work related to the job. Mm, I definitely despise that line as an employee, but then my HR brain goes, well, it's kind of necessary. <laughs> mm, devil's advocate you are. <laughs> there he is, Yoda, for the record. 
<laughs> as long as you're sure that's what he sounds like to you. I love it. I'll take it. Well, number six perfectly follows number five, which is poor communication. A horrible boss doesn't communicate effectively or thoughtfully whatsoever. They give unclear instructions, don't provide feedback, and are often unavailable when you need them. As a matter of fact, Britt, how many days did you spend, like me, working with a boss who hid behind their closed office door from pre-shift to end of day? Emotional unavailability of my manager is one of my most potent professional pet peeves. Way too many days, Warren. <laughs> Way mm, too many. I believe it. It's, it's, it's a pandemic. With a master's degree in HR, though, I'd say this is a huge problem in America, if not the whole world. People don't really spend enough time studying communication skills anymore, and there are so many key elements to communication, such as verbal, nonverbal, informative versus persuasive, written versus oral, and even communication communication etiquette. I'd say etiquette in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Warren, what's number seven? The boss who is incapable of making decisions. Their indecisiveness or procrastination leaves a lasting impression on the company as a whole, but damages the reputation of their employees as well. They often delay important decisions, leaving employees in limbo and unable to do their jobs effectively in the first place. Oh, that's a good one. I remember having to give an old boss of mine deadlines, Ugh. which was definitely not on my job description. <laughs> Managing your manager is so annoying from time to time, especially if it becomes a pattern. And as awful as it sounds, I would love to know who it is, but I doubt you're going to tell me. That's right. Nope. No name dropping in negative ways. So moving along to number eight, the boss who lacks leadership skills. Mm. They don't inspire or motivate their employees. They may not even have a clear vision for the team as a whole or be able to effectively guide them toward achieving goals. They certainly don't reward or recognize work well done. I feel like those bosses were the ones who just got handed the promotion because no other better option was available at the time. Oh, yeah. And the position needed to be filled, so the company just kind of rushed the decision and didn't train the employee who was awarded the position how to actually lead in the first place. Exactly. They just assumed the person knew the job because they'd already been around it in the day-to-day -day for so long. You know what I mean? I certainly do know. <laughs> and I'd say it's a common fail from the company side. And number nine compliments that statement, honestly. The boss who can't handle or manage conflict. They avoid conflict altogether or oppositely, they ignite a huge, unnecessary conflict. These horrible bosses may not address problems head-on, allowing them to fester and create a hostile work environment. Have you ever had a boss explode on you? I have, actually. <laughs> and we're not naming names. No, so. we won't go there. <laughs> I'm just wondering if that had ever happened oh, to you. Oh, yeah. And it was a lot about the person's insecurities, which yeah. kind of drove me wild because I was looking to them to be a more composed human and adult as I was coming into my role. And that just shocked me that they were so insecure. Yeah. Well, the truth of the matter here is that conflict happens everywhere in life, right? So if companies really aren't willing to train effective conflict resolution, they're really missing out on a huge opportunity for their employees to bond and build trust, which of course leads to job fulfillment and employee satisfaction, which then ripples into elevated customer service and all the things following, right? There's a gigantic ripple effect on this one. And I also hate to say this, but it has to be said. Mm. 
Emotional intelligence mm-hmm. plays a massive role here, not just in the workplace, but in our personal lives as well, which hits on that boss you were just mentioning. <laughs> I love that you put all the pieces together on that one, Brit. That was really well done. And the study of emotional intelligence is one we as a society could certainly benefit more from. Completely agree. Yeah. Let's wrap up this list. What's number 10, Warren? Well, this list would not be complete without this particular behavior trait, and you might see it coming because it's favoritism. Mm. A horrible boss plays favorites, showing preferential treatment to certain employees while neglecting or even bullying others. This can create not only a toxic environment, but also a divisive one. So frustrating. And finally, just to confirm here, I have indeed experienced every single one of these things with different bosses in my past. Oh, no. You know, Britt, I'm making an executive decision here, though, because there really needs to be a number 11. Ooh. Yeah, there has to be a moment to indict those bosses who, as I like to say, rest on their laurels. They don't choose to refine their procedures or policies or any portion of their department. Someone who believes good enough truly exists indefinitely, instead of challenging themselves and their team to find solutions to problems that may not really exist yet. Okay, that's fair. But what in the world are laurels? (laughs) (laughs) Warren, okay, how do you think horrible bosses impact our community directly? Horrible bosses definitely have a negative impact on the community as a whole through a trickle-down effect. To start with the obvious, decreased quality of life. Horrible bosses can make it difficult for employees to enjoy their work or their personal lives. Right. One impact less commonly thought about, though, is the productivity and success of the business as a whole. When a company isn't performing at its peak because employees hate their boss, the company doesn't earn as much revenue, which actually then leads to less taxes paid. Ooh. Less taxes equals less money for the community public services. And last, studies have shown that there's a correlation that exists between high rates of unemployment and overall crime. So when employees are more likely to quit their jobs, it can lead to increased unemployment rates and, consequentially, increased crime rates. So there are truly societal challenges that are systemic from bosses behaving badly. Ooh, I hadn't actually thought about the crime component of this entire convo. Good connection, Warren. Thank you, thank you. I'd personally venture to say horrible bosses in Vegas are missing the mark on Vegas strong culture. And that genuine hospitality our city is known for. My humble reminder for everyone in the workforce is simple. Give hospitality to those you work with and around, not just your guests. And if you have a horrible boss who does any of these things, we definitely want to know. Call us, email us, or reach out on Facebook. We will always use discretion and would love to help you navigate that challenging situation if possible. Oh, Brad, I'm I'm honestly hoping that we don't get too many stories because I'd rather know that the valley's full of good bosses. Me too. We've already discussed a couple trends around the effects of horrible bosses and what they have on the workplace and the community, all that good stuff. But I just know in my soul, Britt has more to say on this data. I've narrowed it down to just eight things this week, though, so we will fly right through them. We'll see. Yeah. According to a survey by the Society of Human Resource Management last year, 60% of employees have experienced having a horrible boss. So more than half of the workforce is dealing with the negative consequences of poor leadership. And that is pretty bad, but honestly, I thought it would be a little higher. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) 
70% of employee engagement is driven by the quality of their manager. I find this so believable. A good leader can have such an amazing impact on the morale and the direction of their team. Employees with horrible bosses are twice as likely to be stressed out at work. I'm definitely my own case study in that. Employees with difficult bosses are three times more likely to be disengaged from their jobs. A lack of attentiveness will make me wish to back away from caring so much. Side note, I'll of course include all of our sources and the years of these data points in the show notes, just like last week. They were beautifully organized. Mm, thanks. And employees are four times more likely to be looking for a new job if they have a terrible boss. It only makes sense. If you're not wanting to follow your leader, you'll find a different leader. Exactly. Yeah, I've done that. For sure. <laughs> no, you haven't. You're lying. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, companies with horrible bosses can actually expect to see a 23% increase in absenteeism. Of course, if I don't like you, I won't come work for you, so I'll use every single one of my attendance points, thanks. Moving along. Horrible bosses can cost businesses in America up to $450 billion per year in lost productivity. What makes me wonder is how much of that is retraining costs. Losing your employees, rehiring, retraining, losing your employees. What a cycle. To tie it all together, I want to go back to that statistic that employees with horrible bosses are twice as likely to be stressed out at work because I must expand on the ripple there. Go girl. Chronic stress can lead to physical and mental health issues, which not only affect employee well-being and overall productivity, but think about like the cost of healthcare mm. for those employees. Oh, the other industry we don't want to touch. And because there are more healthcare claims, healthcare costs go up for companies and the individuals. And the ripple just goes on. We can absolutely see how having a horrible boss can result in a devastating impact on the workplace and the community. It can lead to decreased productivity, increased absenteeism, higher turnover rates, and a decline in company culture. Yeah. So I think that's why it's so important to address the issue of horrible bosses and encourage them to lead with a Vegas strong mindset. 1,000 percent. And by fostering a positive and supportive work environment, guys, companies can reap those benefits of a more engaged, productive, and loyal workforce. We've all heard of the butterfly effect, right? Well, imagine the effect a big beautiful butterfly of a leader can cause when they aren't cocooned inside all of these bad boss habits. I'd say there's no better time to jump right into our last segment on how bosses can actually develop that engaged culture, one of higher productivity and enhanced employee loyalty. Look at you talking about butterflies. Mm -hmm. I love it. I am a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm ready to put my fixer hat on. The general topic of effective leadership is honestly so prevalent. There are leadership development programs, courses, conferences, and events all around the world. I think we could talk for days about how to be a better boss. Maybe weeks. <laughs> so instead of doing that, I'm instigating a challenge. Oh boy. Britt, I want you to pick your top five tips for being a better boss 
and I will also choose my personal top five. But naturally, mine will be better than yours. Oh, game on, Warren. But since you started it, you have to go first. That's fair. All right. My number one tip to being a better boss is encourage creativity and innovation. Ooh. Create a work environment where employees actually feel comfortable taking risks and trying new things for you. When I coached improv, my honestly favorite thing a student could possibly do was come before the class and suggest a new improv format, or as we call them games, to workshop for the entire team. Now, in the workplace, I loved it when my team members would come to me with new ways to incorporate some new softwares or similar technologies that would be intended to streamline already existing procedures. Mm. That new perspective to me is extremely invaluable. Oh, that's good. Especially since AI is taking over our world and every single one of us will need to ignite our creativity in that area. I imagine none of us want to be replaced by AI, yeah. (laughs) My first boss tip has got to be building trust. I know this one is so basic and almost like a standard, but I think it's often overlooked because it's so much easier said than done. Absolutely. Simple ways to build trust include getting to know your staff on a personal level, which can be superficial, like, you know, what's their favorite junk food? Yeah, that's nice. And then bring it to them, you know, at work. Mm -hmm. Or something more meaningful, like details about their family, or even deeper, what triggers them. Oh, I love that too, actually. Also, show them you care about their well-being. Like, make them go home if they are sick. Of course. And not just just because you don't want to get the rest of the workforce sick, but because you actually care about their well-being. Yeah, trust is truly the foundation of any strong relationship in and out of the office, so it really makes sense that that be your number one. It's essential for building a cohesive and productive team, most certainly in the workplace. That was a good one, Britt, but I really don't think it could beat my number two. Oh. Which is communicate effectively. Well, I mean, I suppose you can't build trust if you can't communicate effectively. So, okay, fine. You beat me on that one. (laughs) One point for me. Ding! For me, effective communication ensures that everyone is on the same page, reducing misunderstandings and fostering collaboration. When employees understand what's expected of them and receive regular feedback, they are way more likely to feel valued and motivated and to do their best work in the first place. I agree. I actually have gone years without a performance review. No. I actually have more work anxiety that way. I lie awake at the end of each shift imagining ways that I'm inadequate. Just to go into work the next day and find no feedback to fall back on once again. That's terrible. The conflict in communication is just as important to the improvement of somebody's work ethic as is the acceptance. Mm -hmm. My tips for effective communication are pretty simple. Be clear and concise in your instructions, provide that regular feedback, and make yourself available to your employees when you're needed. And since we already discussed the different types of communication in our first segment, I think I can leave it at that, right? Well, I won't. (laughs) (laughs) Just gotta have a point, huh? Mm -hmm. Well, speaking on your suggestion that some leaders fear the conflict of requesting improvement from an employee, I encourage those leaders to try out the compliment sandwich method. Mm. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it goes like this. Start by opening your request with a compliment. Something like, great job on getting the event scheduled to me on time. Then go in for the call to action or the request. Mm -hmm. I'll just ask this one thing, that you detail out the lunch menu a bit more. You know how much our team loves knowing what's for lunch. We all do. And I'm hungry again. How do we do that? (laughs) 
then you end it by saying one more positive thing, hence the sandwich. Doesn't have to be extravagant, something simple like, and I like how you included arrows in the outline to keep everyone focused on what matters. Great job. This helps leave the employee feeling respected for the effort they've already put in, even though refinement was still part of the conversation. You're right. It's true. I've used it a lot, actually. All righty then. <laughs> I guess this means my number two needs to step it up. Mm-hmm. And since that was my best Jim Carrey impersonation. Oof. Hey, that wasn't nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to roll with that, okay? And say awesome bosses have to have a sense of humor. Oh, that makes sense. This one is important because it makes the workplace less tense and serious all the time. Absolutely. Which can actually decrease stress for everyone. But also, it's a really fine line. Nobody wants the boss who jokes about everything and doesn't take anything seriously. That person actually loses respect from subordinates and isn't taken seriously as a true leader. So yes, crack an appropriate or clever joke from time to time to show your employees you care about bringing them joy, not just to-do lists. You did truly get me on that one. Humor is such a big part of my natural self, so I really appreciate when a boss shares that part of their self with me in that way, which I suppose makes it my turn. Point for me. So number three for me is actually become a mentor or a coach, naturally. And speaking as vulnerably as I can here, as a professional, I truly have valued the leaders in my life who chose to actively mentor me more than anything. I have my own vivid social insecurities gain. So to have someone I actually look up to, look down at me and choose to raise me up, like that's invaluable. Yeah. I remember those people who gave me that added attention, that added value, and that added humanity. And when I grew into my own type of coach or leader, I made sure that my mentees knew first and foremost how I always wished to be there to help them to find new ways to improve. I just think that message truly translates beautifully to people almost universally. I can really relate to this. I've had some incredible mentors and coaches in my educational and professional worlds who I'm still connected with today. That relationship is just so powerful. And I wouldn't be where I am today without those people. So huge shout out to Hillary and Greg. Aw, well, I didn't know we were doing shout outs. (laughs) So if that's the case, big love to Vince and Karen. I want you both to know you rock. I love that. Okay, where were we though? I lost track. You mean like you lost uh, number eight from last week? What? No. Mm-hmm. It happened. Are you serious? A million percent. We totally skipped number eight. Okay, that's seriously so hilarious. I'm dead. I <laughs> I can't believe we did that. But then again, I was already in the moving mode, so I guess it makes sense. Just yeah. eat it and move on, I suppose. Oh, my gosh. All right, here we go. Now it's my turn to give my third tip. I think it would have to be the ability to apologize when you've done something wrong as a boss. We all make mistakes, errors, and boo-boos, and it's just totally okay to admit it when you've messed it up. Like, just own it, just say you're sorry, and move on. I mean, obviously, be authentic about it. It doesn't need to be some big production, though, but let me tell you, the words, I'm sorry, I messed that up, are so powerful and so meaningful to your staff. Those words alone build trust, confidence, and resilience with your team. As you were saying all that, I was thinking to myself about the concept of emotional banking. Are you familiar with that? Well, I've 
been in therapy. So yeah, (laughs) (laughs) definitely know what that one is. Okay, fair. And yeah, it makes sense. So like when a boss apologizes or admits to an error, they are depositing an emotional coin in the other person's emotional bank. It's a good one to keep in mind, and I think it also relates to the Vegas Strong mindset, being self-aware and considerate of our fellow citizens. In the workplace, though, investing in someone's bank might be as simple as asking how things are going at home, or maybe probing for future vacation plans, or maybe even noticing a motivated team member and giving them something unique for them to do. Let's keep going. Since we're only at number four, what is your fourth tip for being a better boss? So I got to go with empower your employees to make decisions here. Don't micromanage your employees as much as possible, and I know you can appreciate that. Give them the autonomy to make decisions and solve problems all on their own. You can teach so much by, after the fact, circling back with them and asking behind closed doors and without judgment, why did you do it that way? What did you learn? And maybe even, will you do the same thing next time? Yeah, more more from like a curiosity perspective. Questions like that often inspire growth in the employees' patterns quite naturally, but only if the questions are presented well. Well, we already know how I feel about micromanagers, so... (laughs) I do. What's your number four? Well, this list is already so good. God, I love lists. Mm. (laughs) I think I'll say my fourth tip is be consistent. Yes. Guys, I cannot stress this enough. I know we all have bad days and tough times, but it is not okay to be super happy-go-lucky, everything is fabulous one day, and then a screaming psycho crazy person the next. (laughs) If you want your employees to respect you, be consistent with who you are. Yes, I'm snapping. That (laughs) needs to be said. I think this flows really well into my last tip on being a better boss, though, and that's being a real leader. Mm. One who inspires others by being a role model. Leading by example is one of the most powerful ways to influence employee behavior. When bosses demonstrate the values and behaviors they expect from their employees, it sets a high standard for everyone to follow naturally. It can help create a positive and productive work environment where everyone feels motivated to do their best. I feel nothing inspires a team more than having a leader who walks their talk with integrity and respect for what they ask of their team. Yes, walk your talk. I love that one. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I knew you would. I guess that leaves the last tip on this list for me. Yeah, what you got, Britt? That better be good. Oh my gosh, so much pressure. Okay, okay. I have to say, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. I love that idea. Please. Meaning, if you see your staff are sweating, struggling, or any level of overwhelm, jump in and help them. Yes, please. One of my previous bosses did this, Karen Carlo. Uh, And Wait, what was that? (laughs) It was smooth, right? (laughs) So smooth. (laughs) Wow. Okay, sorry. (laughs) And so, yeah, she always made me feel so supported and valued. Mm -hmm. Her focus wasn't on me and how I was very possibly falling behind because the volume of sales was so high, but instead she focused on the tasks getting done so that we as a team accomplish what needed to be done. And I'll just forever be grateful for those moments. She didn't judge me, but instead jumped in and wasn't afraid to get her hands dirty. Boom. That might just be the way you end a list. Well done. I have to say impressive. That was tough. Who won? Oh, uh, I think it's 
probably pretty clear, right? I think the Vegas Strong listeners won this one. That's mm. right. Everyone tuning in, of course. Did you feel the examples we shared, everyone? Do you agree with our advice? Or are we missing your workplace weak points while addressing our managerial recommendations? Gosh, please let us know. Yes. We have a super cool podcast hotline for a reason. Yeah, it's super cool. Well, that was a fun episode, Britt. Why don't you wrap it all together? Good idea. We discussed the terrible behaviors of bad bosses. We dove into the data on why being a good boss actually matters. Mm -hmm. And I won the challenge on top tips for being a better boss. (laughs) What? Wait, what was all that about Vegas winning? Mm -hmm. I, I, okay, well, you're the boss. I guess that makes sense that you win by taking all the credit. Habit number 12. (laughs) Sneaky you. I thought I was funny. Hilarious. <laughs> By the way, why don't we forecast what's on the agenda for next week's episode? All I can say, since we are in full-blown shopping season, oh boy, we have words. Good thing we'll still be in the market for Vegas Drawn Conversation next week, then. You're so punny, Warren. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap on another critical or should I say critical, episode of the Vegas Strong Revival. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and found it as compelling as we did. We'd like to extend our deepest gratitude to our amazing listeners for taking time to listen and engage with us. Your support is truly invaluable. Remember, the Vegas Strong spirit is all about coming together. So please share this podcast with your friends, your colleagues in the hospitality industry, as well as anyone who loves the local Las Vegas as much as we do. If you have any suggestions, ideas for future shows, or even if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, don't hesitate to reach out. You can connect with us on our website, our Facebook page, or even leave us a voicemail on our super cool podcast hotline. Before we go, make sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. We release new content every Friday. Thanks again, Las Vegas, and let's continue to revive our city's passion for personalized service together. From Warren Sprague and Britt Whalen, stay strong, Vegas. Vegas.